We have been considering what we call the four great pillars in the Lord's recovery. Uh, truth, <clears throat> which is the divine reality, the triune God and his word, and then life embodied and made accessible as the tree of life, the incarnated, crucified, and resurrected Christ. I believe many of us now are impressed that the tree of life is not merely Christ incarnated as a man, but it is the incarnated Christ crucified and resurrected. That is why both Peter and the Lord Jesus himself, uh, speaking to and through John, uses a rather unusual word for tree. The Greek word is wood, like a log, like the trunk of a tree. And Peter says Christ was crucified on the tree. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. This refers to the cross. So our Lord was crucified and resurrected to be the tree of life to us right here, right now. Amen. So we sing, you know, oh, what a life. Now we come to another pillar that which supports the recovery, and that is the church. Now, this is a huge subject, but eventually we want to zero in on the church as the kingdom of God and show from the New Testament that this is, in fact, the case. The church is the reality of the kingdom and the practicality of the kingdom today, but we'll wait a little on that. First, we need to consider what we mean by the kingdom of God. And then once this is clear, and once we have defined the sense in which we will speak of the kingdom of God tonight, then we can go on to the church. Now, a common and natural definition of the kingdom is not wrong. A kingdom involves three things. It involves some ruling person, right? A queen, a king, an emperor, a czar, a dictator, a person with authority. One thing the founding fathers of the U.S. were sure they didn't want was a king. So we're not a kingdom. But a kingdom has to have one person, the king, with authority. Then there must be territory. How can you be a king if there's no one but you? No subjects and nothing over which to rule. There has to be territory. 
But it doesn't mean much to be a king in Antarctica where there's territory, but really no people living there naturally. There has to be people as subjects. And that's a kingdom. A ruler, territory, and subjects. And in a general sense, the kingdom of God is this. The king is God himself. The territory is the whole universe. And the subjects include everyone and everything in the universe. And it's a fact that in this general sense, there is a kingdom. When the Lord Jesus came, he came announcing the gospel of the kingdom. And he told an elderly religious person that he had to be born again, born from above, born of water and of the Spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. This word about birth points to another aspect of the kingdom, and that is a realm of life. Now, in our human language, we also speak of a kingdom like this, and it's helpful to review that. The plant kingdom. We refer to this. You can probably find books on Amazon on the plant kingdom. Well, what is that? That doesn't mean there is some super plant dominating all the others, conquering them, subjugating them. The, king, the plant kingdom consists of the plant life. The totality of the plant life and whatever plants do, that's the plant kingdom. The animal kingdom is the same in principle. There is not what is the most powerful beast conquering all the others, threatening them, intimidating them, ruling over them? The animal kingdom is all the animals. It's the totality of animal life. And now animals certainly do stuff with all their activities. The human kingdom consists of all the human beings, with their human life, with their activities. This is the kingdom as a realm of life consisting of those forms of life that possess a certain kind of life. I'm not really into plants, but one thing is clear, I cannot be part of the plant kingdom. You have to be a plant. Please don't be bothered by my belaboring the obvious because we, when, make, when we make the application, it is astounding. And for a period of time, I lived very close to a mini animal kingdom. My dear wife, an absolute person. Whatever she does, she does with all of her might. Faithful and true. So she wants fish. We have 15 fish tanks 
ranging in size up to 100 gallons in the house. Then in the backyard, we have hutches, rabbit hutches with rabbits and more rabbits. And more rabbits, rabbits with peaked ears, rabbits with floppy ears. There are quails. We went to a fair, she wants quails. We add quails. Dogs, three dogs. A bird. Children. And th there are all these life forms, they're all in the kingdom. I was enveloped by them, but I was not part of them because I'm not a fish, I'm not a rabbit, I'm not a quail, I'm not a dog, I'm not a bird. I can only be in the human kingdom. In order to be in a certain kingdom as a realm of life, you must have the life of that realm. The kingdom of God, in a general sense, is the rule of God over the whole universe. But as a realm of life, the kingdom of God is the realm of the divine life. Now, here's my question. At the start, who is in the kingdom of God as a realm of life? Only God. Only God. Only God has the life of God. So only God is the kingdom of God as life and is in the kingdom of God as a realm of life. But God does not want to be in this room alone. So the Lord Jesus came with the kingdom and to open the way for sinful fallen human beings to enter into the kingdom. And he made it very clear, you enter by birth, by birth. Now please follow this carefully as I try to make it clear in order to be in the plant kingdom, you have to have the plant life. You can't just love plants, raise plants, talk to plants. Same thing with the animals or the humans. The life in the kingdom of God is the life of God. The only way to be in the kingdom of God as a realm of life is to have the life of God. And the only way to have the life of God is to be born of God, to be the same as God in life. Amen. Is this not logical? Yes. Once I, Ron Kangas, was alone, I married Susan Whitaker Harris. She's now Susan Harris Kangas. So there are two. Then starting in 1967, the Kangas kingdom began to expand by birth. No one applied for entry. Uh, no, no one uh, was naturalized into this kingdom, but a daughter was born. So she was born into the little Kangas kingdom. Then her two brothers were born. 
This is the only way to enter the kingdom as a realm of life. Everyone who is in the kingdom of God as a realm of life, get ready, is God in life. Of course, not in the Godhead. Like everyone who is in the Kangas kingdom is a Kangas. Is there not a little Hokuma kingdom? Are there not three Hokumas? I've seen two of the three. The oldest one I haven't seen yet. I, I, I knew when there were only twin Hokumas. <laughs> Neither Hokuma had a counterpart. And then they each got married. And how do you have Hokumas in the Hokuma kingdom? It's by the birth of the human life. So all the little Hokumas have the life of their parents, but they don't have their father's fatherhood, but they have his life. Amen. That's right. We need to face the implications of the divine revelation concerning regeneration. God actually is our father. Now, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but the illustration makes a point. When my son was about to be married to Kimberly, I had some feeling to fellowship with her in love and in tenderness. I said, Kimberly, I realize that really I'm not your dad. And there's a special feeling you have toward your father. So I'm suggesting to you, you not try to call me father, try to call me dad. Reserve that for your own dad. Just call me Ron. I know some saints, because of culture, they, they, they may not agree. But this was my cherishing of her. I care for your feeling. You don't love me or regard me less because I'm Ron. But neither do you have to artificially and politely force yourself to call me what I'm not. Okay, I'm not applying this to any other marriage, any other family in the universe. <laughs> Only mine. Kangases are strange. And so we're unusual at least. So when we call God Abba Father... When we experience the spirit of sonship in our heart crying, Abba, Father, that's because we really have a father. We really were born of him. We really are the same as he is in life. So now we can be part of the kingdom of God as a realm of life which was previously occupied only by God. The angels weren't there. They're in the kingdom of God as a general sense, in a general sense. But we have been born of God, born into the kingdom of God. To be God's species. And the church, from the point of view of life, is this. One does not join a genuine church 
if you join anything that's not the church, I'll say this categorically. If you have to join it, it's not the church of God. No one joined my family of my children. They were born into it. We are born into the church. And the church is a realm of life. So I think we are reasonably clear and now can focus on the kingdom as a realm of life. Now we need to see how this relates to the church. And then we need to see the importance of realizing where we are when we are in the church. When our firstborn, our daughter Becky, we brought her home, I didn't talk to her and say, Becky, you have to realize that you're a Kangas. Uh, I'm dad, this is mom, this is grandma and grandpa, and you also have to realize that you live in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles is in this crazy state called California, and California is part of the United States, which is part of North America, which is part of the Earth, which is part of the solar system, which is part of the Milky Way galaxy, which is part of the universe. She has no consciousness of where she is. She's just born. But as she grows, she realizes other people exist, not just me. And this one is mommy, this one's daddy. Then she grows some more, and she meets other little children of the saints. And she's in their home, and they're in our home. She realized there are other people. Then we bring her to children's meeting. Then she goes to school. Eventually, she realizes she's born into a human community. She's one of billions of people on the earth and lives as part of this, like it or not. When some, okay, Becky doesn't need to know at the age of two days that she's a Kangas in the Kangas family. Kangas family lives in Los Angeles for the church life in California, in the United States. We know, we know where we are we know where she is. We take care of her according to what we know. But eventually, she has to realize for herself where she is. And the more she grows, the more she realizes, I can't just like stay in this little apartment forever. I need to be with other people. I need to go to school. I need to be with the children's meeting. All of this. Eventually, she becomes an adult and lives as a part of human society. It may be the case that so many, and let me just talk about the Lord's recovery, the churches in the Lord's recovery. 
we may not fully realize where we are. We may not. And that is not a criticism, it's just a fact. And we may not fully realize where we are because we may not fully realize what the church is. So what's the church? Well, the basic definition, according to the Greek term, is we're an assembly. We're called out. So to be in the church is to be in meetings. When we say someone has left the church life, we mean practically they don't meet anymore, right? They don't fellowship anymore. So they're not in the church because they're not in the meetings. But this is an elementary understanding of the church. So we may then take a big step. The church is the house of the living God. And the church is God's family. And this is quite an advance. So a family is more than just meetings. A family is a life of intimate, interdependent relationships, right? In love and mutual care. That we use this term, in my religion days, I, I never used it brother or sister. And when I came into the church life and people were calling me brother, then I felt a little odd, especially since I have to admit it's part of my history. I was alone in my family, no siblings, no brothers, no sisters. I had hoped, you know, for a younger sister. So, but it wasn't a very like worthy hope. It was that she would have cute girlfriends and bring them over. <laughs> that, was, that was my lofty thought, but it was already too late by then, you know. And so now I've never been a brother to anybody, and, and, and you're calling me brother. So the Lord enlightened me that. We really have the same father. We have the same life. I am your brother. You are my sister. You are my brother. And then after the meeting, I just passed the sister in the meeting hall. And in a sweet way, she said, hi, brother. Now, brother is not a term we use because you can't remember the person's name. So you can always <laughs> call them brother. So sometimes, because I travel a lot, I just stop pretending what I remember. Uh, so please remind me who you are. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings, but you want me to fake it, or do you want me to say, remind me of your name, your face, but where did I meet you, in Kuala Lumpur, in, in Sydney, Australia, Anchorage, Alaska, Moscow? Where did I see you? I don't know. But this is very real. We're a family. We love one another. We have the same life. And the church as the house of God is so pleasant. 
It's a lovely place, full of enjoyment. It's so sweet. It's where we can be genuine. It's so practical. And it's really hard not to like this aspect of the church. And it's so pleasant to realize it's the house of God. It's the family of God. And we, have, we all have a big brother. That's the firstborn son of God, our elder brother. And we are all being conformed to his image. And for eternity, God will have this household of many sons conformed to the image of the firstborn. But as the Lord indicated to us, actually more than indicated, in the summer training, the, the church life doesn't stop here. The church is something else. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And I, in my pursuing of this, in my fellowship with the saints concerning this in recent months, I ask this question positively. Do we have that much realization that we're in the kingdom of God when we're in the church? Does it ever, ever cross our mind? Now, please don't behave differently tomorrow morning in light of what I'm going to say. Do you think if we realized we were in the kingdom of God, so many of us would be habitually late for meetings, for the Lord's table meeting. Now, in a family, I mean, maybe mom is not happy when, you know, you just had to finish one more inning and you come home and dinner's cold, but you can come home late. But a kingdom? I mean, even in the realm of life, there's some controlling factor here. So where I am in my consideration, and, and this is really open to tempering from you, is that it's not nearly as definite in us that we're in the church as the kingdom as it is definite with us that we're in the church as the house. Isn't this fair to say? Okay, it's just an assessment of our situation. And so because we don't realize that we're in the kingdom, then we don't know and practice this aspect of the church life. Uh, we don't live the church life in this way, and we cannot function as the church in this way that when little children are growing up, and I observe this in my daughter-in-law, who is an exemplary mother, when they're training their children in their character and in their behavior, they may sometimes remind them where they are. They may say, you're in someone else's home. Do you realize where you are? You're in Brother So-and-So's home. And you can't do that here. Or you're in a restaurant 
No, you, you can't have your soccer ball here and kick it around while we're waiting for the food to come. You're in a restaurant. And when you're in a restaurant, there's a certain behavior that you should have. Yes. I mean, do you like it? If you're in a restaurant, you're, you're taking your wife out for an affectionate evening and someone five feet away is blaring, talking in a loud way on a cell phone. Maybe they should be banished. Okay, I'm just saying, you, you don't want to eavesdrop. Sometimes I feel like entering into the conversation. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm glad you're mentioning that. I, I think you get the idea. So if you're, my, my daughter goes to children's meeting and you learn, this is how you are in children's meeting with other children. You go to school. Now you're in school. You live a certain way when you're in school. Then eventually you get married and you realize I'm married. And it, to me, it, it, it's, it's a dreadful thing for someone, for a brother to live a married life as a married bachelor, he still thinks he's single. But you can't. You're in another state. You're in another realm of existence. Now, if the Lord just wanted to rule us as a monarch with authority, he could do that. And he could appoint these persons that will just strut around in the church or among the churches you know, bopping the saints with a rod of iron and threatening them with outer darkness and all kinds of things. But that's not his heart. We'll see when we read the outline before too long. We're in the kingdom of the son of his love. That's a pleasant place. So in this realm, he doesn't want to rule us outwardly with authority. The rod of iron is for the nations. It's not for the brothers and sisters. But if we don't realize that we're in the church as a kingdom, as a realm of life, we'll behave according to what we do realize. Okay? We're in assembly. We should meet. In the house, we have enjoyment, so we enjoy. But we all have our chores in the house, so we serve. So we set up tables for lunch. The dear sisters prepared and or brought the food. Then we sit down and we take down the tables and arrange the chairs. But if we are in the kingdom and don't know we're in the kingdom, that's, there's a problem. Then we can't live the kingdom life. And even more seriously, we cannot Fulfill the responsibility of the church as the kingdom, which is to bring in the kingdom of God to the earth and to cause the will of God to be done on earth. So the Lord needs to recover this aspect of the church in recent months from at least a few going on several places. We received emails, phone calls from saints. They're crying out because some 
strong brother is suppressing them in the church. So strong in his disposition. In one whole place, it nullified the team. The team is no more. And eventually, that's a, that's a good-sized church. It, it will be reduced to very little. This brother, I don't care what you call him. Call him an elder, call him a co-worker, call him an apostle, call him an archbishop or a pope. I don't care what you call him. He doesn't realize where he is. If he realized where he is, he wouldn't be this way. You can't be this way. You can't treat the saints like that. You can't. The life in you does not allow you. You're a slave to them. You wash their feet, spiritually speaking. You serve them. You don't rule over them. You don't exercise authority over them. Then on the sides of saints, we may like to be in a situation of, of no accountability, no limitation. All is of grace. Um, well, all is of grace in the house. But in the kingdom, there has to be a king. And he's a resident king, the Lord himself as the life-giving spirit in our spirit, ruling us in life. This is what he wants, to rule us in life. So, I am walking out of a crowded ministry center, and I meet someone at the front door, and they want a fellowship. I do not stand in the doorway and talk. The life in me tells me there are saints behind you wanting to get out. You can't stand here. I don't need an usher to tap me on the shoulder and say, Mr. Kangas, do you realize where you are? You are blocking the way. Please get out of the way. There's a life in me that is able and desires to indicate to me at any given time how God wants me to live in oneness with him. And there's the flow of this life, the shining of this life, the sense of this life. And the Lord wants to rule in us like this. So if I'm living by this life, and I personally am having a difficult time, and there are reasons for it, and so I'm not happy, and I'm not in a good mood, so I come to the prayer meeting. Do you think this life will just cater to my mood? I should just sit there in death and be in myself because human life is hard. The divine life will indicate to me, you're in the kingdom. Do you think you're the only one going through things? Everyone's going through things. Do you think you're the only one having this kind of feeling? Everyone will have this kind of feeling. And you bear some responsibility. Exercise. Open your heart to the Lord. Receive his cleansing. Exercise your spirit. But if we're not aware that we're in the kingdom, 
then we won't have this kind of exercise. But it's the life within, the life of God, which is the life of the kingdom, which is training us to reign in life by being under the rule of the divine life. Now, probably everyone here who knows the truth concerning the kingdom and the overcomers wants to be an overcomer. We all hope for this. One thing overcomers do is they rule. They are co-kings. They rule over cities, over nations. In order to rule then, we must be under the rule, under rule now. No one who is not under rule now will be qualified to rule then. He'll have no idea what this is like. You look at Joseph. God knew that before the dreams could be fulfilled, that he would rule. Joseph needed a thorough training in life with all kinds of things happening to him. So God led him in a way that seemed to contradict the vision he gave him. Betrayed by his brothers who really wanted to kill him, sold into slavery, falsely accused, cast into prison. Two men come, they have dreams. He and Joseph interprets the dreams. He says to the cupbearer, when you go back to Pharaoh, put in a word for me. He's forgotten. Who likes to be forgotten in a dungeon? So all kinds of things are going on. Then Pharaoh has a dream, you all know. Joseph is called out. His life changes outwardly in an instant. Because of the thorough preparation in life. He interprets a dream, then he keeps on speaking. You know, now that, now that I'm interpreting the dream. What you need to do is, it's going to be seven plentiful years, save a large percentage of the grain, store it up for the seven lean years, then appoint a responsible person to administrate the whole thing. And Pharaoh says, good idea, you're the man. Now he's king. Okay, seven years of plenty. No fulfillment of the dream with the brothers. Then the years of famine come. Okay, now, the brothers come to Joseph. He knows them. They don't know him. They're in his hand. And let's say for decades, vengeance has been simmering in him. He just said, one day, okay, I'm in the pit now. I'm in Potiphar's house now. I'm in the jail now. One day things will be different. And then we get even. Then we settle the score. Wouldn't this be disgusting? Wouldn't that be reprehensible to say, I've got you, especially you who wanted to kill me. I, I, I've been preparing for this moment. I've been dreaming all kinds of things. Now I'm going to get you. He wasn't that way. But neither was he in his natural affection that the brothers came in and he started blubbering right away. Sorry, like some sentimental representative of the weaker, the weaker vessel. 
Oh, it's so good to see you. I just forgive everything. Everything is fine. Can't we all get along? That would be ridiculous. You have a ruler here who can't even control his own feelings. Out comes all the sentiment, all the natural affection. Doesn't recognize these men need to be disciplined. So he is able to rule over his own being. At one point, with the second appearing, and he was about to make himself known to them, he could hardly bear it. He had to run away to the restroom and cry and wipe his tears and come back. This is a picture of someone living in the kingdom under its discipline for a long time while life is growing in him. And because he himself is under the rule of the divine life, he can rule in this life in a beautiful way. So th there is no revenge in him. When the brothers were shocked and realized who this person is, he said he comforted them. You did not send me here. God sent me here. Now please consider in your experience if something painful like that happened to you through a person. Okay, it wasn't through some spooky thing. It was through a person. A person said that. A person did that. And as a result of that, your situation is drastically changed. What do you think it requires in the life of a person for you to be able to realize, God, you sent me here. You used my brothers to send me here. Now I'm on the throne next to Pharaoh, all this responsibility. Lord, how did this happen? This was your way, Lord. I don't know if I'll ever see my brothers again, although I believe the dreams must be fulfilled. So by the time the brothers now were fear and trembling, he would say, you did not send me here. God did. Okay, that's the kingdom. Then after Jacob arrived in Egypt, lived there for a while and died. Now the brothers are afraid again. They said, Jacob's not here. Now Joseph is going to get even. And Joseph, he was pained by that, if I remember correctly. And then he was very honest. He said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. That's the kingdom. Now, if we end our life as believers and as humans, full of all kinds of negative stuff, anger, resentment, self-pity, self-love, bitterness, who knows what, then how can we be entrusted to rule over human lives, over cities? What's going to come out of us? There won't be some miraculous change not in keeping with our experience in the Christian life. If there's no development when we die, when we're resurrected, there'll be no development. Death does not solve that kind of problem. It just delays the final solution. 
So with the kingdom in view, in manifestation, we consider the church life as a realm of life that we've entered into by birth. And now the king, who is a most wonderful person, lives in us as the spirit and wants to rule us in life by the sense of life with love and with light. This is what he wants to do. And he wants to train us to respond to the flow of life within, to the peace within, to the rest, the light shining within, or to respond, uh uh-oh, the sense of unease, of dryness, of death. That's an indicator. It's not according to God. Don't say another word to your wife. The more you speak, the more death there is. This is the king indicating this. But if the brother is so strong in his self-righteousness, because as the wives, the experienced wives know, uh, men don't like using argu- losing arguments to females. It's just so humiliating. It's hard enough to lose one to a stronger man, but to be defeated by a woman. It's like that, that rebel in, in Judges, he was helping attack a city. Then a lady up on the top, she throws this millstone, right? Hits him on the head, he's dying. Then he says to someone nearby, kill me, so they won't give the report he was killed by a woman. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want that in my tombstone. Here lies so-and-so, slain by an old lady with a stone. Well, sooner or later, we're going to have to pay attention to the spirit within. When will it be? Now, the next illustration, I had one brother almost plead with me, but he knew his plea would fall on deaf ears. He said, don't use the illustration of driving. Please, don't use the illustration of driving. (laughs) So, of course, I use the illustration of driving because I'm being discipled here. I get behind a wheel. I don't say it's every time. It's almost every time. Lord, now keep me from the evil one. And Lord, protect me from my own reactions to things. I really mean it. You you are driving along. You're enjoying the Lord one minute. Someone cuts in front of you. And things are different now. And the reaction is so fast. I won't describe what the reactions are. You know just as well as I do. Well, the church is an assembly. We assemble tonight in a place of meeting. The church is a family. The house of God, full of enjoyment. But it's a kingdom, not in the sense of being under harsh rule. That is not the Lord's way. He made it crystal clear. You are not to exercise authority over one another. He even uses this word, exercise authority. And these emails that came to me were of all cases of exercising authority. Someone thinks he can exercise authority or he has an authoritarian disposition. But if we all realize, and if he realizes, and these brothers 
they will realize. Because some have to. They have no choice. They must help them to realize. We cannot allow them to sacrifice the church. We must help them in love and in faithfulness. But if we'd all realize this, the church would enter into another stage of development. It would be the city. It would be the kingdom with a wall. And it would be built up for God's expression and for God's representation. And the Lord needs this. Now, just as a human being eventually cannot choose whether I'm going to be part of a social group or part of a nation or not. Even the most incorrigible then have to be locked up. They're antisocial. We shouldn't choose, pick and choose. Oh, I like this part of the church life. But I don't like that aspect of the church life. What are you trying to design your own church life? You're on your computer. This is my, this is my church life. Custom designed for my soul life where I get what I want, but I don't have to deny myself and I don't have to bear the cross and I don't have to humble myself before others and I don't have to be in transparent fellowship, but I get all the spiritual benefit with the minimum of spiritual responsibility. So you design your own church life and you can live in it. I do know some saints that they're living in this. They have no idea. And when they meet the Lord, they'll be shocked, utterly shocked. Because that never was the reality. And because you never allowed the Lord to expand your realization, you didn't grow. And you've been in the Lord's recovery. I mean, this is on my heart all the time, although I can't pay attention to it all the time. Brothers of my generation haven't grown in 30 years. Still here. Do you have any idea? They're much closer to the end than to the beginning. Is there no desperation, no earnestness to pursue the Lord? No request for fellowship? But God, for the fulfillment of his purpose, must have the church as the kingdom, not only as an assembly and not only as the family. Now, when Paul was writing to the saints in Rome, about matters of the church life. He said in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The context indicates that's the church as the kingdom. John is on the island of Patmos. He writes to the seven churches as directed by the Lord. He says, I, John, your brother, and companion in the kingdom and in the tribulation and in the endurance in Jesus. According to John's realization, he wasn't only on Patmos. He was in the kingdom. And when he wrote to the churches regarding the son, he said, who made us a kingdom, priest to his God. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, you have the worship of the one on the throne, praising him 
You have called us out of every tribe, tongue, language, nation. You have made us a kingdom of priests. John 3, in the context of the whole gospel, indicates the church is the kingdom. Do you think the kingdom of God, the house of God, and the flock of God in John are three separate things? It's one thing by different designations. There's one flock, one shepherd. There's the Father's house, and we all have a place prepared. That's not heaven, that's the church. The bride, that's the church. The kingdom is the church. But if we go on in the Lord's recovery, not realizing this, and not sensing the Lord's burden concerning this, then we will have a big shortcoming in our function as the church. As I reflect upon what led up to that message in the summer training on the house in the city, on the section on the city, the Lord is burdened concerning this. That we would not only be the house, but that we would be the city, we would be the church as the kingdom of God. And this outline, which you'll now read through in about 20 or 25 minutes, stopping no later than nine, gives us some particular light on this. But I wanted to give this very full, actually, message, you can call it an opening word, to put this in the context of a realm of life. Because when we hear words like kingdom, we hear authority, and we don't want to be rebels, and we don't want to be lawless, and we don't want to touch authority. But this is not the emphasis. The emphasis is a realm of life. And every plant, every animal, and even the physical life of every human functions by law, right? By organic principles. Uh, I don't know, is it really the case that when the little birdies are in the nest and they're being fed and the mama bird by instinct knows, okay, time to get out. Time, and I know you don't want to go out. Oh, I like the nest. I want to stay in the nest. Even though I'm a great big eagle, I want to stay with mommy in the nest. No, you are some weird bird. You, you, you need therapy. That's against the bird life. So the, the mother bird knows, out you go. And she doesn't instruct the little bird. Okay, please remember, always remember, you're a bird. Then remember, birds fly. You're not a cat. You're not a dog. You're, you are you, you're not a, a flightless bird like a kiwi or a penguin. You fly, remember that. And remember which wing to start with. None of that. It's all by the law of the bird life. We need to realize we have the law of the kingdom life inside of us. The Lord does not want to rule us with outward authority. He has to do that when we don't pay attention to the sense of life, we don't pay attention to our conscience, we don't listen to the church, and we really don't have that much respect for human government, then the Lord has to say, okay, then I need to do something uh, in the environment, not to punish you, but to restrain you.
and to give you an opportunity to repent. You just, what would happen on any given week in the church if everyone simply lived according to the divine life in the spirit by its sense? Everyone. And in every meeting, we all functioned according to this. There are some dear, beloved sisters in a church in Anaheim. I don't want to be coy. They love the Lord. They love the church. And if they really knew the kingdom life within them, their prayers would be reduced in number by 90% and in volume by many decibels. But they're just in themselves praying. In the church meeting. So quick. Giving messages to God, advice to God, prayers that are not prayers. Then I will tell the trainees, because they're in the training, maybe next Tuesday, why do you amen prayers that are not prayers? To be nice, to encourage people as a reflex? Amen is the name of the Lord. I don't have the release in my spirit to amen a disorderly prayer, an unruly prayer. It's not a prayer. So even in the prayer meeting of the church in Anaheim on the English side, there's a struggle for the kingdom to function right in that meeting. And other saints, they, they are too reticent. They're too self-conscious. They're too shy. And they can excuse themselves, in a sense, because these others are so strong. They pray more, more than any co-worker, any elder in the meeting. But let's suppose everyone was under the rule of the divine life in the meeting. Then many more would pray. Some would pray more. Some would pray less. Now, I'm going to give you a real-life illustration. I have to admit, it involves me, but it's not about me. But I don't want to pretend and act as if there's some anonymous person. I was directly involved. It's the aforementioned English-language prayer meeting of the church in Anaheim. And we're praying along a certain line, and then two or three sisters, I would say they're setting one another off. They pray again and again. And they're both quite loud, even strident. And I had a sense within that the Lord wants and needs to change the direction of the meeting to something else. But there's no way. Okay, okay, I'm not advising you to do this. I'm just saying it happened. By the ruling of the divine life within me, I got up and I stopped the meeting. I didn't rebuke anybody. I didn't correct anybody. I said, brothers and sisters, I feel the Lord wants to change the direction of our prayer. What the direction is, I don't know. But in order for this to happen, we all have to calm down and be quiet and open to the Lord. Of course, those three sisters immediately were, and temporarily were quiet. So we quieted down. Most of the saints were relieved. After about 20 seconds, through a middle-aged sister, comes forth the prayer for Boston. Boston. 
What a momentous thing. But if we had gone on and allowed that meeting to be as it was, this never could have happened. Or if someone was able to release a prayer about Boston, they would have run away with it according to their feeling. And just a few days ago, before I came here, a quite experienced sister in her 50s wanted to fellowship about the prayer meeting. So we felt, she fellowshiped her feeling. I listened to her, and then I fellowshiped. And I told her this. This is just my feeling, okay? This is not the voice of Jehovah. It's Ron's feeling. Unless there is training, it'll never change except get worse. It'll get worse. But if we had a training, which we probably can't, in which we could adjust sisters, which we probably can't, because they'll cry or get hurt or whatever. <laughs> so we just have to continue struggling. But how good it would be if we were all under the rule of the divine life. And this sister realized, you are dispositionally loud and quick. That's your disposition. That's no worse than this sister who is mousy and very, very quiet. It's your disposition. So here's what you should do when you have the impulse to pray. Count to ten. I'd like to tell her, count to ten like this. One... Two, but I don't want to do that. I'm not a king among the saints. I had to stop that meeting in obedience to the Lord as the king in my spirit so he could fulfill his purpose in the meeting. But just how good it would be if the sisters realized they're in the kingdom. This is a gathering of the kingdom people to execute the will of the heavens on the earth. Lord, I want to be one with you. I'd like to be blended in. Save the church from my disposition. Well, will this ever really happen? Okay, listen to the end now. Maybe not generally. But there will be vital groups in the church that will reach this. There will be. And these will be eventually the overcomers. If in the general meetings we can't do this because it's too complicated and we can't touch it, then in groups, in smaller meetings where our fellowship is transparent and where someone can say, they ask, why didn't you pray? Well, you didn't give me an opportunity to pray. Do you ever realize that when you pray, you go for two minutes nonstop? This is a brother. Every time he prays, everything, with him, everything is long. Well, you can't say that in a meeting. You can say that in love to a companion. You can. Then the cross operates and you're tempered 
then you enter into the harmony of Matthew 18 and you pray with authority the prayer of the age, the prayer of the church. The Lord needs this. And when we touch this, we will be exhilarated. I'll tell you, we will be revived. I pray with a companion of mine, we can touch almost any matter about anyone praying in the body in this way. All right. Instead of going to start reading the outline, I'm actually beginning to commence to start the reading of the outline. Ephesians 2.19 reveals that the church is the kingdom of God because of the word citizens. It says members of the household of God, fellow citizens of the saints. Okay, you're not citizens in a family, but in a kingdom. Two, God has called us to enter into his kingdom. This is 1 Thessalonians 2.12. The kingdom of God is the realm for us to worship God and enjoy God under the divine rule. So what do we do here? Our spirit worships. Tomorrow we will remember the Lord. We will worship the Father. And we enjoy God under the divine rule. Now these really go together. Those that are under an oppressive rule don't have joy. But when we're under the lovely rule of our Lord Jesus, we enjoy God. The kingdom is joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is a divine sphere for God to work out his plan. It is a realm where God can exercise his authority to accomplish what he intends. A kingdom is where you can do whatever you want. So if you have a teenage sister in your house, her room is her kingdom. And within certain limits, she can do whatever she wants. You put the earphones on, you've got 787 tunes on your iPod. And you can listen to what you want and you can have stuffed animals covering your bed and you can paint your walls pink and you can have pictures of so-and-so. Well, the principle is the same. God needs a realm where he can do what he wants. And the only option for him is the church in the Lord's recovery. He can't do it in Catholicism. He can't do it in any division. He has to be able to work out his plan. So in that prayer meeting, I mentioned the prayer meeting was stopped. God had a plan for that prayer meeting. And he intends to accomplish certain things by prayer in one hour in this meeting. <clears throat> and one of them is to bring forth powerful prayers concerning Boston. But if the church meeting is not the kingdom, then the saints with the experience and the sensitivity will realize the meeting frustrated. They'll realize we didn't reach the goal tonight. But what a lovely feeling to realize, Lord, thank you. We accomplished what you wanted. The New Testament preaches the gospel in the way of the kingdom. The gospel is for the kingdom, and the gospel is proclaimed so that rebellious sinners might be saved, qualified, and equipped to enter into the kingdom of God. 
This is how the gospel is preached. This doesn't mean you walk across the street and go up to a group dressed in orange that are drinking something that is not non-alcoholic. And then you say, you're a bunch of rebel sinners. You have to repent for the sake of the kingdom. That is probably not a very good strategy. The Lord will lead us to be Jesusly human with them. But in our consideration is we want to transfer students out of the authority of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. This is our realization. So even when the Lord Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman about living water, he wasn't just satisfying a woman. He was taking care of the Father's desire to have worshipers in his kingdom, about which he had just spoken in chapter 3. Three, the Bible first presents the kingdom and thereafter presents the church. The presence of the kingdom produces the church. So the more kingdom, then the more church. So actually in all the local churches, this is not a criticism, there's only a relative amount of church in the churches. Do you understand what I mean? There's us, there's God, and, and there's and we hope there's an increasing amount. But the more kingdom in the way of life, the more church. The kingdom produces the church. Then the, king, then the church is the kingdom, and the church brings in the kingdom. We'll see more. A, the life of God is the kingdom of God, just as the life of the plants, animals, humans are their respective kingdoms. The divine life is the kingdom. And this life produces the church. So to say the kingdom produces the church is to say life produces the church. The kingdom is a realm of life for life to move, rule, and govern so that life may accomplish its purpose. And this realm of life is the kingdom. So here you are. You are a miniature kingdom. The divine life is in you right now. Okay. Can this life move? freely in you, rule in you, and govern in you, and accomplish its purpose. So we all need this. We don't want to be a prison for the Lord. We'd like to be a home and eventually a kingdom. The gospel brings in the divine life, and this life has its realm, which is the kingdom. The divine life with its realm produces the church. So the leading brothers in the church manifestly and certain sisters hiddenly for the sake of the church they need to live in this realm all their fellowship all their activities all their decisions are in this realm and they allow the divine life to rule in them and through them and then this life will flow through the church and everyone will be so peaceful. There was one church, eventually it ceased to be a church. It was exposed as being a sect. And I had a striking realization about this situation. That so-called church, this is before it was exposed and before the faithful saints separated to, to continue the standing of being the church. That eldership 
was part of the kingdom of Satan. Those brothers themselves were under the authority of darkness. So the whole church was in chaos and ceased to be a proper local church, became a sect. But the general situation among the brothers in the churches, they love the Lord, they're open to the Lord, they love the church, so their being is open, the divine life flows in them and flows through them, then flows into the church. What a lovely place. Brothers, married brothers, if you want your wife to be this, you be this. You be in the kingdom of the Son of God's love. You love her with God. Eventually, she will sense something real is going on. Okay, B, the kingdom is the reality of the church. Therefore, apart from the kingdom life, we cannot live the church life. The reality of the kingdom of the heavens is the content of the church life. Without the reality of the kingdom, the church is empty. So if we just assemble together in the natural life, that's not the reality. But if we realize there's a life in us which causes us to be pure in heart, poor in spirit, to be peacemakers, to humble ourselves, to love one another, that's the church. Since the kingdom life issues in the church, as we live corporately in the kingdom life, we spontaneously live the church life. To some degree, without our being aware of it, the kingdom life is here. But if we have more realization and then more experience, there will be more kingdom life, and then we'll live the church life, and you'll just have the realization. You can say, I've been in Boise for a long time. It's never been like this. This is beyond everything I ever knew. Even I was in Eldon Hall. It's a delightful family life. It's not like this. What is this, brothers? Well, this is Zion. This is the city of God. This is not only where God dwells, this is where God rules. And in this city, there's a river. The streams were of made glad, gladdened the whole city. This is a lovely place. We, I believe we will. I'm not speaking these things because I don't believe the Lord will fulfill them. We are about to enter into a stage of the church life beyond anything we have ever known. The church as the city. Without the kingdom as the reality of the church, the church cannot be built up. This is the reason that many saints, they're not built up, they're not buildable. Okay, here's the situation. In a certain state, there was a small church in a city with a very large and open university campus. And the leading brothers and the co-workers throughout the state had fellowship in one accord and helped this church to buy a large house that eventually would be perfect in location and size to care for students. So that went through. The church got the house. 
Then according to the feeling of the brothers there after some years, there is no point keeping this house. It's so big. I mean, we're not getting the increase anyway. So without any fellowship, they sold it. They sold it. Legally, they had the title. They could do it. And the one taking the lead in this situation is a beloved brother, not yet built up in the church. Not yet built up. And I've observed this again and again. Saints, you can meet together. To a certain extent, you can serve together. But some you can't serve together with them. And they don't want to serve together with you. They'd rather do everything alone. But they'll meet together but not built up. The reason is there's no exercise of the kingdom, so there's no building. There's just a gathering of people like tomorrow morning in any denomination, people will assemble, listen to the choir, uh, put the money in the plate, listen to the sermon, and go home. There's no building. Well, we could be like this. We assemble, and we enjoy assembling, But is there a building going on or only a meeting going on? That requires the kingdom. When the kingdom of the heavens is able to assert its authority over a company of believers, those believers can be built up into the church. So we have to allow this to happen. If the Lord has a way to do this, and he will relate us to certain ones, and he will build us together. The next section is lovely. The Father delivered us out of the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Through regeneration, we have been transferred into, listen, the delightful kingdom of the Son of God's love, a realm where we are ruled in love, with life. That's what we're talking about. In love. And the highest expression of life is love. You follow the development in 2 Peter 1. And that means love will be the highest expression of genuine authority. And when a sister wife meets this, she's gladly, securely, in subjection. This is how the Lord rules. It is the sweetest place on earth. When we live by the Son as our life in resurrection, we are living in His kingdom, enjoying Him in the Father's love. Here we have the church life. In this enjoyment of the Son, who is the King. Because the Father delights in His Son, the kingdom of the Son, is the, of the Father's love, is a pleasant realm, a matter of delight. Now, I'm not saying this to be nice. I don't do that. I'm not a politician. I don't minister by polls. Being in Boise with you is simply delightful. Just delightful. My wife may ask, how was the weekend? Delightful. (laughs) And she knows whether her husband is delighted or not. Some wives 
You just can't fake anything with them. So don't try. Just be, just be genuine. It's so good just to be with saints and enjoy the Lord together under the shining of the true light in the flowing of the, the divine life. Okay, that's the kingdom. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about when someone will come in <clears throat> and say intimidating words and <clears throat> warn us, threaten us, exhort us. No, that's in another place. That's not here. That's not the kingdom of God in this way. The church life today is the kingdom of the Son of the Father's love, <clears throat> which is as delightful to God the Father as the Son of God is. Don't you think God is kind of happy right now? I think he's happy. I think he's happy with our meeting. He's happy to be here. We can't see him. Isn't the Lord here? There are more two, two or three, more, more than that. We're in his name. And he's here. We can say, Lord, isn't this a pleasant way to spend Saturday night? Amen. Others celebrate the triumph of the Broncos. We celebrate the victory of Christ. Amen. Just being with one another. The genuine church is the kingdom of God in this age. Today, the believers live the kingdom life in the church life. Then you have verses that show the connection between the kingdom and the church. Each time the Lord Jesus spoke of the church, he mentioned it in relation to the kingdom. This indicates how intimately the kingdom and the church are related. And in Matthew 18, he spoke about hearing the church. There's a brother we love very much, but humanly and spiritually, he is in a worsening situation because he refuses to hear the church on a, a very practical matter about his living. He has a concept about something, and the brothers, according to God and according to the word of God, have another concept, but he will not hear the church, so he's not put outside the church. But he cannot live a normal church life. Matthew 18 doesn't say, if he doesn't hear the Spirit. It says, if he doesn't hear the church. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he hears two or three, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear the church, you're outside the realm of this fear. And on the one hand, we do not control the lives of saints, we do not direct them. On the other hand, the church is the kingdom, and we have to say certain things faithfully in fellowship. And certain saints, largely due to their disposition, their self, their peculiarity, they won't hear. They say, that's not the spirit. That's not what the Lord told me. But the Lord's own word was, you have to listen to the church which is the brothers, one with the Lord, representing the Lord's mind and heart in fellowship with you. And if you have a proper spirit, you will hear. So the brother says, 
to you. Please, please. It's not your portion to be full-time. Get a job. Please, get a job. I, I don't feel I should work. I, I don't feel I need to do it. Brother, <clears throat> we can only share our feeling with you. Just get a job like any other brother in the church. Well, if you don't hear the church, there's nothing more we can say. And you go to the Lord, you think he's going to speak to you? What, he would, what he's likely to indicate is, listen to the church. I already spoke to you. Remember what would Saul of Tarsus, what he was told? He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said, go into the city and it shall be told you what you must do. This is not control, but this is the church indicating to this brother, God appeared to you for this purpose. God has appointed you to do something. The next thing you need to do is to be baptized. Then you need to be with, meet with the church as a brother. So we're not asking someone to tell us what to do in a wrong way. But when God speaks to the church, we are blessed if we listen to the church. The kingdom in Revelation 1.6 reveals that where the church is, there the kingdom of God is. The church represents the kingdom. Although the church today is the kingdom, we are in the kingdom in reality only when we live, walk, and have our being in the spirit, not in our natural man. Um, I am not religious. I'm not legal. I wouldn't teach a new believer, don't go to the Bronco game. Don't wear orange. They won't do that. I don't know how many thousands were there in the stadium. Probably there were a number of real believers. Do you think during the time of that game, they were in the spirit? I don't know. Not too likely. So our standard is not like right or wrong. Should you? Shouldn't you? Should you have a little slice of Kahlua cream cheese pie? <laughs> Should you get a pie because it's pie month at Marie Callender's? Is it right? Is it wrong? Well, do you have someone in you who really knows whether uh, that's what you need right now? And so it comes down to this. This is this, talking about something basic, old, from the beginning. It makes a difference whether we're in the spirit. Have you found this out? Life is different when we're in the spirit. When the authority of God's kingdom is allowed to operate in us, righteousness, peace, and joy will characterize our daily life. As those who are under the dispensing of the divine trinity, we need to live a kingdom life in the church, growing and developing in the divine life until we reach maturity, and this 
development will be our entrance into the kingdom. Now, the church brings in the kingdom, especially through our prayer and our gospel preaching. The work of the church of God is to bring in the kingdom of God. All the work of the church is governed by the principle of the kingdom of God. The church is responsible for bringing heaven's will down to earth and for carrying it out on earth. Don't you have the sense that we need a recovery of this ourselves? That we are in the present recovery of the Lord to recover in the churches the reality of the kingdom of God. I'm full of hope. I couldn't speak a word like this if your heart and spirit were not open, if you were not consecrated to the Lord, if you were not given to the Lord for the church life. I have the full assurance in Boise, in the little city, I think it's little city of Payette, in Salt Lake City, in Billings, in various places in the mountain states, the church that is the house will be strengthened and enlarged to be the city, Amen. the kingdom of God. Amen. Maybe, and I'm not asking for this, but just maybe if in the years to come, I'm still here, I'm still, well, I visit Boise again in some years, I might have the sense what a wall is here. Amen. Oh, the house has been enlarged to the city and so many young people have been transferred into the kingdom of God. They're FTTA bound. Then from there, they may go disciple the nations, preaching the gospel of the kingdom to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Amen. What a future we have. So please share something now. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder. But just by the divine life within, don't say, oh, I spoke this morning, so I can't speak. I only speak once in a conference or only one a day. That's your self-made rule, okay? Let the king rule, not your self-made rules. Follow the flow and just share something. Amen. Amen.